Sports Social with Edison Jr. We are back once again here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And this week, I just had so much going on in regards to like sports and, you know, just the um, the different levels of not just random that can occur in any league at any time that can affect jobs, that can affect the future of a franchise I think we saw it all this week and, you know, just not even just that, like we talk about the legacies of players and and, and what they want to leave behind after it's all, you know, said and done and all the records and, and, you know, the talent's gone. I'm referring to like the situation with the New York Giants. Now, I've made it no secret here that I am a huge, huge New York Giants football fan. Well, the Giants have been the topic of discussion for the last week or so with the NFL. And it's pretty obvious considering the um, the drama surrounding the head coach, general manager, and yes, the veteran two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, Eli Manning. Now, you, if unless you've been living under a rock, you do know that Eli Manning was benched by uh, Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese which led to this whole, like, uh, huge, you know, uh, commotion around the league. And for those involved, whether it was uh, former Giants players or you got current players, and it was just a lot of, like, negativity towards the move. And rightfully so, let's be honest. You got a guy in Eli Manning who is, uh, you know, many people's opinion, a Hall of Famer, uh, he's a franchise leader in all major statistical categories at quarterback. And the guy was doing 210 straight starts. Yes, you know how tough that is to start 210 straight games? He just passed his brother with, in regards to that record. The guy um, has been a, a nothing but a professional. That's, that's just always been the Eli Manning way. So when you hear something as obscure as... As random as we're going to sit him and we're going to find out what we have with the roster. You think, okay, well, that that's fair. You know, they want to find out what they got at Davis Webb. They got the third round pick in a draft. It, it, it kind of makes sense. But they go ahead and say, we're going to start Geno Smith. I had to take a pause. Like, Geno Smith? The same guy that you kind of know what you have. I mean, do we have to ask Jet fans what they have? And it wasn't a lot. McAdoo says he wants to start Geno Smith. And you already kind of seen just by the reaction around the world, honestly, regards to Eli being benched. Eli did not take it well. The guy was tearing up immediately. Uh, You know, for me, that's tough to see. The guy's been there every day for 14 years. And you decide, okay, you know what? I'm probably going to get fired. Jerry Reese is probably going to get fired. Let's do something drastic. Let's end Eli Manning's streak. That's the stuff that, that that drives me nuts. It's like, why give this guy the opportunity to do it? Granted, he was fired shortly afterwards, after that game against Oakland, where you allowed Geno to start. He was fired immediately. But um, what was the, the point, if you're John Mara, to allow him to do this? There's so many different, you know, reports in regards to whether or not they actually wanted to um, to, to jump in and, and make a change or was this just, a, a, you know, an offer. There, there's so many things. But either way, it's for it to get to this point, lets you know that there was a lot of um, a lot of shady business behind the scenes and just like bad PR. I mean, it's, there's no other way to look at it. McAdoo's already been accused of uh, stealing the job away from Coughlin. When Coughlin was there for his final season, that's already been up there in the air. Coughlin was actually very vocal about his thoughts on Eli and and how he deserves a lot better. I mean, you've heard that from guys like Phil Sims, who was a, a classic New York Giant, Carl Banks. And, it, you know, it's just it's just been all around the world. People have been giving their thoughts on it. So the, you knew something was going to happen. Eli, um, you know, from what I heard, is going to be – the uh the starter in uh the next game in, in against Dallas is going to be at home with uh, Spagnolo taking over for Reese and for uh, McAdoo both let go earlier in the week 
it's uh it's a it's amazing it's really amazing so uh, i'm gonna have a full breakdown for everybody that's been under a rock and just hasn't been able to keep up i'm gonna have a full exclusive breakdown of what happened i'm gonna have stan talouise help me out the original stan talouise mr football correspondent himself for keeping the real sports he's gonna help out and uh, just try to give his thoughts on the Giants. He's a huge Giants fan, and he does follow all these moves regularly. And just ask him about the future, like who's going to be new head coach, general manager, things of that nature, because now you have to start thinking about it. That's just the, that's just the reality of the business. you got to start making moves quickly. And you're going to hear from John Merrill. You're going to hear from basically all those involved. I put a nice little timeline together of when you know Eli first, his reaction, when he first found out that he'll be benched. Followed by the um uh the the game itself, the Raiders and the Giants that took place on Sunday afternoon, little clips of that, as well as uh clips of the post game com- um post game conference from uh then head coach Ben McAdoo and his thoughts heading after that game and and how he had thoughts about what he was going to do with against the Dallas Cowboys and. And then, uh, of course, John Mara laying down the hammer and uh, letting go of both the general manager and the head coach, which is something the Giants do not do often. Giants are not the type of organization that's going to fire somebody in the middle of a of a season or they're just not going to, you know, they, they hire with the intent of you finishing out and uh, pretty much doing your job to the fullest of your extent. So it's uh, going to be a... Uh, an interesting transition for the Giants to be searching for a general manager and a head coach with four games left in the season. So uh, it's it should be interesting to watch, but I, I put all these uh, all this audio together. I'm going to play that a little bit later in the show as well as talk to Stan Talouis and give his thoughts on everything that transpired. Also, I uh, had the, actually the fortunate um, opportunity to speak with Trevor Booker. He is the uh, forward for the Brooklyn Nets. And he started this uh, amazing campaign. I mean, this is all for uh, the people in Bed-Stuy, for the Bed-Stuy, um, Bed-Stuy Hunger Act. And he really um, had this whole idea on his own. He's a huge cereal fan. And it's a cereal drive where he asks fans to uh, come by, drop off a box of cereal. I actually did as well because I felt like I'm not just going to go there and talk to him for a little bit and, you know, and not donate. So... Great cause. Uh, you know, it goes to people that, that really need it. And he loves cereal, so why not combine it with something that he loves? And you guys will hear that. I got to talk and ask a couple of questions when he was taking questions from uh, the various media that was there. So definitely hear some of that. Um, you know, if, once again, this is Trevor Booker from the Brooklyn Nets. For for those that uh, may not know, the guy's been with the team. I think this is, I believe this is his second year. And he's really done a, a, a good job getting to the community and getting to learn. And uh, I, I think I, I really appreciate that when guys of that stature take the time to say, OK, I want to learn about this, about the city and I want to give back. So I think that means a lot. And the guy should be immediately a fan favorite, in my opinion. Also, how about fan favorites? You know, uh, I do a quick a, a quick listen through of uh, Miguel Cotto. In his final fight at Madison Square Garden, and you're talking about a guy that did it all at the Garden. I mean, he, you know, he had fought all the big fights. He's uh not just in the Garden, but everywhere. He's fought all the top guys, and it may not have all ended in wins, but man, did he hold up his end of the bargain? He gave you great fights. Uh, Miguel Cotto was one of the the biggest biggest reasons why boxing was so popular. Uh, for his weight class, and you know he had his last bout this past Saturday against Saddam Ali. Uh, it was a losing effort, but uh, just his impact on the sport, which I think was really appreciated by the fans, even the losing effort at Madison Square Garden, a place where he just made, I think he made history over there in terms of sellouts and people just coming just to see him, and uh, you know just he's made. When he was like in his heyday, just you know, fighting every year at the Garden, around the Puerto Rican Day Parade, became such an event. Uh, it was just a smart way to do it, and for a guy who, let's be honest, he was no Tito Trinidad. He didn't have that type of personality, 
but he found a way to captivate that audience and get everybody interested in what was going on. So definitely hats off to Miguel Cotto as he goes off into the sunset and ends his career. But man, this guy uh, definitely deserves all the praise in the world. And you're going to hear it from uh, Jim Lampley, who, uh, you know, is never uh, ashamed or never worried about being emotional about any type of fighter. Uh, I'm a big Jim Lampley fan. The guy puts his emotions on his sleeve. He cares about the product. He cares about the things he talks about. And as an announcer, you got to be able to convey that. And he definitely conveyed that completely with cheering up at the end of his uh his uh, last breakdown in regards to Miguel Cotto. So, you know, just um, it's a, it's definitely a cool listen. And I, you, you can understand what Lampley is going through. The guy has called all these different matches. So he knows who's a good fighter, who has that heart, who's willing to go that extra mile. And uh, Miguel Cotto has always been the guy to put in that category. Once again, fighting all the top guys. May never have been considered a top guy in his career, but he's always considered a tough fight. And, um, you know, he went out in his last fight going against a young, hungry competitor who did put him, who did basically uh, enough to beat him. But like I said, just sit back and um, enjoy the uh, actual post-fight interview that Max Kellerman had with um, Cotto, as well as the um, just the the, the Jim Lampley breakdown in regards to um, Cotto's career. And it, it was just a, it was a great night, uh, a great night for even a losing effort for Cotto, just to show the appreciation he had for this man's uh, wonderful career. Uh, also, like I said, going to play the um, some of the interview with um, the new, the Brooklyn Nets and their uh, PR team that helped out during the event, the uh, Booker's uh, Breakfast Assist event that we're talking about with Trevor Booker, and hear some of my uh, conversation with him. I actually was able to just just run through a couple of things with him and um you're gonna hear in the audio of him just answering each question at one time. But I you know, I just wanna ask him like what made him wanna make a serial drive, um, as well as what he feels like makes him effective as an NBA player and uh, as always what his um you know, just like what he thinks about the next game. And at this time this was on a Friday, the Nets were uh, setting up to play the Atlanta Hawks that uh, next morning. So he gave us a little insight in regards to that. And like I said, just a great guy. And, um, you know, I'm going to jump into it now. So uh, for those who do not know Trevor Booker, check him out. Check out whatever, anything that he's doing in the community. The guy's doing a lot of great stuff, as well as the Brooklyn Nets. So I got to show him the respect there. And uh, take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Eddie Stin Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. What's your name? Uh, Mike Wisniewski. Okay. Can you just explain what the event's about? Um, Yes, every year uh, Trevor has a serial kind of event. Um, So basically uh, this year it's a serial give back. So anyone that donates a box of cereal gets to meet uh, Trevor, take a picture, get an autograph. And then all the cereal that we accumulate during this event goes back to Bedside Campaign Against Hunger, which is down the street. Um, It's a food pantry, so we give back to the less fortunate um, so it's a creative way for to get a donation back to the food pantry. Um, this is all came, comes from Trevor, so he, he wanted to do this. And uh, we're here supporting him via the Nets and help him set this event up. I have a cereal drive and have people donate boxes of cereal uh, in exchange for an autograph or a picture. Uh, yeah, usually, you know, it's before the season starts, um, I was kind of busy. Um, so I think, you know, this time of the year, um, it's close to the holidays, um, so you know I thought it would be a, a, a good time to do it you know, around the time. I think my favorite cereal would have to be Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Um, you know, I love you know all types of cereals, uh, but I think that would take the cake. Just work, you know. Uh, try to use my strength and my mobility as much as possible. Um, try to you know. Just stay around the basket, and it puts me in a you know, position to get those rebounds. Uh, it's very important, you know. Tomorrow, I think, you know, play against a team that plays hard. Um, you know, they, they don't have the best record in the NBA, but we know that they're going to play hard. And if we don't come out, you know, ready, you know, they can beat us. You know, he's done a great job. You know, recently, I mean, uh, lately, you know, providing more leadership and you know, giving us score, uh, the score that we need. You know, we have you know a few guys out. Um, so he, he's picked up the slack 
and you know this is what we need out here. Thank you. We're here located uh, the key food on Fulton in Brooklyn, uh, giving back, uh, having a nice uh, cereal drive. And I want to give a thanks to everybody uh, for coming out and supporting. You know all the fans, you know everybody, uh, the staff who's helping out. Uh, I really appreciate it. Miguel. You, you didn't get the win tonight, but as you can hear from the crowd, as usual, Miguel Cotto fans go home happy. They witnessed a great fight. How are you feeling right now? Feeling good. Feeling just uh, uh, good with the performance, good with the fight, and just happy. Was there something wrong with your left bicep? You can see it. Uh, I put something here, and now it turned to, to my bicep. Something happened there, but... I had to continue fight. What round? Round number seven. The seventh round? Yeah. Just when you were coming on, the, you felt the left, you, did you feel it happen during the round? I, I can't remember, but something happened. You can see my bicep here. It's a little, it's a little turn. I don't, I don't yes, it's grotesque. It's all rolled up. I don't want to make excuses. He won the fight, but I, I had something on my arm. You've never made excuses, even in a career where you've had every right to make an excuse. Miguel, and that's one of the reasons I think the fans love you so much. Is you said win or lose, this would be your last fight. It was a great fight, but you didn't get the win. Is it in fact your last fight? It is. I'm going. I'm going happy to my house, enjoy my family, and just being happy, being good, and be at my house. I want to be at my home. Is there anything you'd like to tell the fans? since this is, in fact, your last fight. Oh, to all of you guys, thank you for supporting me at every moment, at every opportunity. I'm so glad to call Madison Square Garden my home. Thank you. Miguel, with fighters you never know, you're different than most, but still sometimes guys get the urge a couple of years later, whatever. If this is, in fact, your last fight, I'd like to tell you on behalf of everyone at HBO, certainly, and I think everyone who's dealt with you, it's been a pleasure covering not only your career, but dealing with you. We're going to miss you. Thanks for the, We're going to miss you. Thanks for the memories. The pleasure was all mine. I had the opportunity to provide in the best way for my family. And that's all that matters. Boxing is the most human of sports. It's the only sport in which you lose a little bit every time you win. It's the sport in which you can earn the hearts of all the fans in the arena, even when you lose. And through his 47-fight career, of all the fighters we've covered in the 21st century, Miguel Cotto was the most visibly human. He fought every round with his heart on his sleeve. And that's why our hearts are with him tonight. How did this, uh, how did this come about? I guess a couple of conversations with you over the last two days. Yeah, uh, Coach Mac, uh, you know, called me in, told me, um, you know, what uh, they were going to start splitting some time, and and uh, you know, now we're, uh, you know, just kind of thought it's best to give uh, give Gino the start, and and uh, you know, I'll back him up. I'll be a good teammate. You know, I don't like it, but uh, it's part of football. You handle it, and uh, I do do my job. You said you don't like it, but didn't he say you also had the right to say, look, I want to start? Yeah, I mean, I just didn't think that's, uh, hey, you start knowing you're going to come out of the game, um, you know, to keep a streak alive, maybe. That's not, that's not what it's about, you know, to, to you know, it's not, it's not a preseason game where hey, you're going to play a, you know, start to the half, what's the next week, a quarter, a series. That's not, uh, that's, that's not, that's not fair. It's not fair to me, not fair to Gino. That's not how you, how you play, you know, you play to win when, you, when you're, Name this, you know, quarterback, starting quarterback. You think it's your job to go, go win the football game. You know, you're just gonna play a little bit. I didn't want to, didn't want to, you know, I didn't feel that was the right way to play. Does this move make any sense to you? You know, hey, um, I don't have to make sense of it. That's uh, this is what it is, and like I said, um, you, know, you gotta deal with it. Did you see this coming at all? No, I mean I didn't know. I didn't know uh, what was going to occur. I mean, hey, we're, we're two and nine. 
kind of uncharted territory, so uh, you, didn't, you don't, don't know what to expect when you're in that situation. What sort of conversations have you had with Davis and Gino since the decision was made, if any? Yeah, no, I told uh, you know, Gino, hey, I'll be, be here for him, and you know, I sat down with him today and going over the script and going over plays and just make sure uh, you know he's, he's uh, comfortable with everything and knows how to go out there and, and uh, you know give him a chance to be successful. Eli, what exactly didn't you like about the plan? I mean, I think I know, but you say you didn't like it. Explain why you didn't like the move. I think I, you know, I think I just did. In fact, that you know, uh, you know, if you, you know, to go out there knowing you're coming out, that's you know, I, I just didn't think that's. Uh, how do you prepare? Hey, you're, you know, yeah, start this week. I was going to play the first half, and Gino was going to start the second half. But where, you know, eventually they're going to start working in uh, Davis, and you know what, you know, it, you know, I, I thought I was just starting and playing to keep a streak alive, and uh, I didn't think that's the right thing. And also, you're trying to win, even though you're two, whatever your record is, you're trying to win games. You go out every game to try to win a game, right? Right. You know, that's that's. You know, I think that's when you. Uh, that's your job, you know. I mean, you're, you're a starting quarterback. Your job is to go out there and and win the football game. And when that's not the case, you're just going out there to, you know, to play, knowing you're not going to finish the game. Um, I just didn't see a, uh, that being the right thing. Three more guys. Three more. How hard is this hitting you emotionally? That's hard. It's been a hard, uh, hard, you know, hard day to handle this, but. Uh, you know, hang in there and figure it out. Hardest, hardest things the Giants can say? Uh, it's up there, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you might have started your last game for the Giants? I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. More, I'll uh, take it one, one week at a time. Last one, guys. Have you spoken to anyone besides Ben about the decision, Jerry or John or anything like that? Uh, I spoke with Jerry Reese a little bit, and uh, 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 Mr. Mayor had, you know, he, he hadn't been in uh, today, and uh, but, you know, he knows what's going on, and, um, you know, probably try to speak with him tomorrow sometime. Today, also lost Brandon Marshall, Dwayne Harris, number of offensive linemen. Third down pass intended for Roger Lewis Jr. with Sean Smith defending. Raiders send in an extra lineman, Adal Alexander. And Lynch picks up a first down and more. Marshawn Lynch will go all the way 50 yards for a Raiders touchdown. Jonathan Casillas and just a little bit overburdening back and you can win a championship with him that was what Bill McAdoo told us about Eli Manning last night nice catch by Sterling Shepard inside the 30 of the Raiders and finally forced out of bounds by Reggie Nelson for Shepard to do something all day he's working on Kerry here in the slot just good release free release Kerry doesn't get his hands on and that was a nice, strong throw by Geno Smith, right on time, right in space, a little bit behind him, and he makes a good adjustment. A big play for this Giants offense, exactly what they needed there. So the Giants with their longest run of the day. The position with the sack fumble, we'll see if Geno makes a better decision. On second and eight, Smith throws to the end zone. Touchdown, Evan Ingram. Defense has been a disappointment for much of the year, but they got a chance still, and that's a good thing here in Oakland. Cordero Patterson, first down and more. Patterson still going. Chased by oh. Collins, who brings him down. So fast, man. The guy is so explosive. Who needs a route tree when you can do this with the football in your hand? This is Johnny Holton. Look at him at a point. Give me a sliver of hope and a seam. I'll make one guy miss, and I'll just outrun everybody else. Give Landon Collins credit here, though. Staying in the fight. Swiping the leg to get him tackled before he scores. And the Raiders have something in this guy. Minnesota didn't know what to do with him. Talked to them many times about Cordero Patterson as a receiver. All you got to do is get the ball in his hands. He's going to do something special with it. Third and goal from the nine for Derek Carr and the Raiders. Carr over the middle. And then the ball came loose. It's ruled a touchdown. Johnny Holt. Lost the play before he lost the football, ruled a touchdown on the field, but now the officials will get together, and again, they signal touchdown. The Raiders by 10. Third down and two. Smith fires. Oh, oh what a catch oh by Evan Ingram. Spectacular. Wow. Today, this by far is the best. Oh, my goodness. Wow, what a catch by Evan Ingram. Two-minute warning coming up. Seven receptions, 99 yards. 
for Ingram. A minute 52 remaining. Smith steps up. And down he goes. Back at the 34-yard line. Danico Autry. Nico Autry. Two sacks last week. This is a working man. Rosas from 52 yards out. His kick is good. A new season long for Aldrich Rosas. And the Giants are within seven. Maybe a little overmatched against this Oakland team. Need an onside kick here. And it's recovered by the Raiders. And he didn't get the hot. DeAndre Washington. This ball just trickled right into his hands. On third down and one, it's Washington. And he will pick up a first down. Thought the guys uh, competed hard today. They played their tails off. Got to execute better. Came up short. Uh, but I'm proud of the way they fought today. We'll open it up. Ben, there was a report this morning. I mean, do you expect to be the head coach here? I'm going to coach this team as long as... Um, my key card works. You know, uh, got a great group of players. The coaches got a great staff to work with. Uh, I want to show up ready to go tomorrow and uh, get this thing cleaned up and move on to the next one. Has ownership addressed that with you? That report. I'm gonna coach this team until uh, you know. I'm told I'm not coaching this team. So, right. gotta show up. Uh, gotta show up tomorrow morning, ready to go to work. Did they tell you you're good? What's that? Did they tell you? You're I'm good not asking, and I haven't heard a thing. So I'm gonna keep my head down and keep doing my job and, until I hear otherwise. How do you think Gino did? I thought Gino competed at a high level. Uh, there are a couple fumbles. We'll have to take a look at the tape. I know one uh, he was throwing, trying to pull it back, uh, and they got it away from him. Uh, one, uh, you know, the ball got ripped out of his hands there. Uh, he let him that nice two-minute drive at the end of the ball game, did some creating, uh, threw a nice ball to Evan there for the touchdown. Um, and I thought he uh, I thought he competed. The, the fan reaction that this past week um, regarding what you did with Eli has not been very positive, to say the least. Are you concerned what the fans will be like Sunday at the home game? No, I'm not concerned. Listen, I understand uh, where the fans are coming from. If I was on the outside looking in, uh, I'd feel the same way they feel. Uh, you know, Eli and I have a, a tremendous relationship. I think the world of them uh, was hard for me emotionally uh, at the beginning of the week. But uh, once, you, once you make the decision, you have to stick with it. And uh, I appreciate the way Eli handled things this week. He ben, was a pro. Ben, does um, Gino get another start now? We're going to go back, take a look at the tape, and uh, we'll make a decision early in the week. Ben, what happened with Eli Apple? Uh, Eli Apple had a good day of practice on Wednesday and uh, Thursday, and then showed up Friday. He was sore, uh, wasn't able to go through uh, our walkthrough that day, um, and wasn't able to go today. Um, if he had to fight through it, I'm not sure that uh, that would have been a good, uh, smart move for us, so we err on the, on the side of caution. So, Ben, is Gino not showing up to you to want another start? I mean, we said we're going to take it one week at a time, and, uh, you know, these games are emotional. So to stand up here and make a decision right here after the football game is not a, not a good uh, way to go about business. We need to go take a look at the tape first and uh, put our heads together and see what direction we want to go. But Gino didn't do anything today that would cost him an opportunity, no. Hey, were, you, were you aware before the game of that report that said you were going to lose your job? Uh, there was uh, yeah, a little birdie told me uh, that uh, something was out there. But again, I'm not. Uh, that's not something I'm worried about. Well, I'm just wondering how that changed the game day. I mean, that's got to be a distracting thing. No, uh, maybe for uh, weak-minded individuals, it may be a distraction. But I had a job to do. That uh, was the decision. We put the best 46 up. We thought could uh, win the football game this week. We'll take a look at it again next week. Again, uh, it's emotional right here after the ball game. We have to go put our heads together, look at the film, and we'll have a plan early in the week. What kind of plan did you have for Gina? And was it, how much different was it maybe than you do for Eli in the normal week? Uh, what, what do you mean? What type of game plan? When you're going into the game, you know, offensively. Uh, yeah, you know, preparation-wise, we put a plan together. We uh, we try to do things uh, that best suit Gino. We're in a, if uh, he's the guy moving forward this week, uh, we will tweak some more things and, uh, you know, have some additions in there for him and subtract some things. And uh, you don't want to do too much too early right away when it's his first week. But uh, the, obviously his skill set allows you to do some, some different things. Ben, what kind of an impact did Eli have on the sideline there? It seemed like a couple times he was having conversations. Yeah, Eli was into the ball game. Uh, he did a great job as a number two, you know, being a sounding board for Gino and for Sully over there. 
Uh, he was doing everything that he could do uh, as a number two to, to help us win the ball game. But will you make a decision, I guess, on who's going to start against Dallas? Early in the week. We need to go back. We need to watch the film, take a look at it, put our heads together. At some point in time tomorrow, we'll make that call. You plan on announcing it publicly like you did this past week? Uh, we need to put our heads together and uh, make a decision. Without you, the, the job status thing hanging out there, would you like? To go, are you going to go to ownership, or do you feel like that something you would need to do moving forward here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my job. I have a job to do. I'm going to put my head down, do my job, put a good plan together, and, and put these guys in a position to be successful. That's that's my job. Two more, two more. I didn't hear the beginning of the question. You said put, you're going to put your heads together about the decision. Yeah, me, the coaching staff, uh, and I'm going to bounce it, uh, obviously, off of Jerry Reese. Yeah. Uh, as you all know by now, um, uh, I met this morning with um, Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo and relieved both of them uh, of their responsibilities. Just to give you the chronology uh, of what happened, uh, Steve Tish and I met um, after the game uh, yesterday and agreed to talk uh, this morning, uh, which we did. And we agreed that uh, wholesale changes uh, needed to be made uh, to this organization to get us back to uh, the team that we expect to be. And we also agreed that it was pointless uh, to wait any longer to make these changes. I met with uh, Jerry Reese approximately uh, 10.30 this morning. Uh, and that's as difficult a meeting as I've ever had. Uh, you know, Jerry's been here since 1994. Uh, he is homegrown, started out as a part-time scout and rose all the way through the ranks uh, to become our general manager and to become the general manager for two Super Bowl teams. Uh, I thanked him uh, on behalf of Steve and myself for everything he's done uh, for this organization. Um, I. Uh, told him that I have no doubt that he will get another shot with another franchise and that at some point in time I'm going to be answering questions from people about why I got rid of him in the first place. Um, I then met uh, with Kevin Abrams and uh, asked him to serve as our interim general manager for the rest of the season and if he chooses uh, to be a, a candidate for the full-time position, Kevin agreed to do that. I uh, then met with uh, Ben McAdoo um, and uh, thanked him for everything he has done for us, for all of his hard work, for the professional manner in which he's conducted himself. Um, I also feel that he will be a successful head coach at some point in the future. I think he's going to learn from his experience here, um, and he'll go on and be a successful head coach. Both of these men, uh, contrary to uh, what their public persona is sometimes, have been complete professionals uh, here. They always make decisions looking out for what they believe is in the best long-term interest of the franchise. They never complain about anything. They don't politic around the office. They communicate well with one another. Uh, and that's something that I'm very grateful to both of them for. Um, I met with uh, Steve Spagnolo after um, uh, these meetings, asked him to serve as the uh, interim head coach and also to be a candidate. Uh, to be the head coach after the season if he chooses to do so. Uh, he agreed to do that. Uh, I then met with all the assistant coaches and told them that my expectation is for them to continue to work hard and to get these players ready to play these last four games. I told them that I would not put up with any talk in this building about tanking or anything else, that I expected us to go out and try to win these games, and I expected their best to, efforts to try to get us to do that. Uh, in terms of our uh, general manager search, that starts right away. I have asked Ernie Acorsi to serve as a consultant um, in this process. He's agreed to do that. And so we expect to get started uh, right away on that. Ideally, uh, you'd like to have the general manager in place uh, first uh, before the head coach. Uh, that's not always going to be the case, but I think that would be the ideal scenario. So with that, I will uh, entertain some of your questions. John, what was the final straw for you with uh, General Manager Jerry Reese in terms of why you wanted to make the decision now? I, I don't think there was any one final straw. I just think that the uh, where we are as a franchise right now, um, you know, we're 2-10. and ten. Um, We've kind of been spiraling out of control here. I just felt like we needed a complete overhaul. Uh, I don't think there was any one event or one final 
act that uh, precipitated that. Which did the whole Eli situation play into everything? really had no effect whatsoever. Two and ten is two and ten, and um, uh, obviously uh, the public reaction to that was not pleasant, but that really didn't have any effect on our decision. John, have you spoken to Steve, and does he intend to go back to Eli as the starting quarterback? I've spoken to Steve, and he's still trying to uh, come to grips with this whole thing. He wants to talk to his offensive staff, and then he's going to talk to Kevin and myself. Ultimately, it's going to be his decision as to who to play at quarterback. John, are you embarrassed in general with what's happened to the franchise this season? Of course I'm embarrassed. Two and ten, there's no defense uh, for that, particularly when expectations were so high. And I understand that, listen, we, we've had a, a ridiculous number of injuries. It's the First time in, in my life that I, I think I sat at a game having to constantly look at the uh, flip card to try to determine who we were playing. Uh, but that being said, you know we still started out 0-5 uh, with um, relatively healthy roster until that fifth game when all the wide receivers got hurt. So yeah, I'm embarrassed about that, and um, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm standing here. John, are you committed, committed still to a division between personnel and head coaching, or can one person? My, my strong, very strong preference is to maintain that traditional separation. But again, I would never say never if the right candidate was there. Sports Social with Eddie Sim Jr. We are back. And I had to bring back the OG, the original, I don't know, how should I call this? Um, one of the guys that started it all. Um, yeah. Just Dan Tallowese. I kind of think of nicer things to say about you, you know, because, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like that guy. You know, ESPN has like Kenny Mayne and um, – and yeah. at one point it was like Chris Berman. You're you're like that guy. Okay. You realize that, right? You're you're like a living I, I, legend. <laughs> I love that you struggle to find nice things to say about me. Well, I want to find nice things that you would like. How about that? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Stan, um, as always, you know, the biggest football correspondent we've ever had. He wants to talk yeah. about uh, the New York Giants and obviously how they've become such a crap show this season, mm-hmm. and I've gone on my rants, you know, throughout this, this season of this show, just talking about them, with the whole McAdoo situation. We had some yeah. news that uh, that just happened, obviously, uh, McAdoo. Fantastic and news. You're good Fantastic friend. news. Yeah, you're a good friend also, Jerry Reese. Also let go. My good friend? My yeah, good, good friend. friend. Uh, how about that? Let me tell you something. Um, I have been against Jerry Reese since 2008, okay? Since 2008, I've been against Jerry Reese. Nobody wanted to listen to me. I've been harping on this for 10 years. And then finally, this year, everybody's like, oh, you know what? Maybe they should fire Jerry Reese. Oh, really? Oh, really? I've been saying this for 10 years. Nobody wants to listen. And all of a sudden, I'm right. Okay? It just goes to show you that when I say something, I say it because I mean it. Well, that's very true. I always know when you say something, you mean it. Now, whether or not it happens is different, but you were you were always <laughs> correct. But you were always correct when it came to Jerry Reese. I used to always hear you go on rant. We would have conversations about the Giants that had nothing to do with Jerry Reese, and you would bring it back. And I would bring Jerry up Reese. Jerry Reese. I would definitely bring up Jerry Reese. Yeah. So because you can't what, ha- you can't have a general manager who who not only the, the, it's not about it's not just about retention of players. It's like the players that aren't on the Giants aren't even in the NFL anymore. You know. But you know, I digress. No, that's hey, that's that's really yeah, that's a, that's an honest statement right there. But I want to start from when things really you know obviously took a turn with last week with uh, Eli yeah. Manning being benched. What were your initial thoughts, you know, along with the world as to just why they would make a decision like this and just moving forward, what was the actual plan? Well, I think it was really uh, a matter of um, Ben McAdoo knew that the writing was on the wall and he just wanted to, you know, just, you know, watch the world burn as he, as he left. You know, it's just like people that, you know, when you, when you, when you were a kid and that kid you played basketball with on the court and he, he was he just wasn't good enough. So he took his basketball with him and left. That's what Ben McAdoo was doing. He was like, you know what? I'm out of here anyway. This, nothing's going right. I'm just going to screw everything up as I go, as I, as I leave, you know, it made no sense because to say that you're going to, Bench Eli Manning to see what you to evaluate the young players. Not one young player played yesterday. Not one. The, uh, Geno Smith is 27 years old. Not one other young player played yesterday. So I don't know what you were what, what he was evaluating. If you if you had started him, if you had benched Eli for Davis Webb, that makes more sense. But why? It just it never made sense. And the only thing that makes sense to me is that he did it 
just to throw a wrench into everything that we know. Because Eli Manning is a, is the kind of guy who's not going to just start just to start just to keep a streak going. He's he's a proud player. He's and I don't know if you saw the news, but they've announced that he's going to be starting this week against the Cowboys. Wow. And, you know, it, that's that's really interesting to me because this goes back to what they said, the owners and um, McAdoo, that, that the instructions that McAdoo was given for this decision was a lot different than the way he related to Eli. Because right. I believe the owners were saying that if Eli struggles, take him out the game, which makes sense. Right. But McAdoo and, said, you know, we're going to play you half and half. He just went straight to it. Right. It's, it, the, the, and it, it goes to the lack of communication. There was no communication between between the ownership and the general manager and the coach, and nobody spoke, and it, it, this this is the end result. Because if you look at it, you know, in the past few weeks, we haven't even heard Jerry Reese talk. He hasn't, he's been hiding. And I'm, I'm not even sure he's alive. You know what I mean? I mean, where has he been? He hasn't said anything about the Eli thing. He hasn't said anything about, you know, starting Smith or Webb or, or uh, uh, how they're going to address the quarterback situation in the off season or anything like that. So there's, it's a complete lack of communication. And now that the Maras have come out and said, well, we're furious about the way things, things shook out, it makes you question everything now. Like what, what's going to happen going forward? It's, it's scary because the Giants are such a proud franchise. Everybody's always harped on that, you know, the fact that they don't do business like this. They don't fire in the middle of the season. You know, there's no real big miscommunication errors, right? Right. Everything went, just went downhill, right, when McAdoo took, you know, he took over the ship from uh, Coughlin. It's, yeah. it's just interesting to see, like, how one person can really throw a wrench in everyone's plans. And mind you, Jerry Reese has never been great. We understand that. But Jerry mm-hmm. Reese was kind of protected knowing that he had Tom Coughlin as, like, the first domino that could fall. Yeah. So it, hey, all I, these I, all these years, yeah, you're right. All these years, Tom Coughlin, his presence, you know, has kind of kind of shifted blame away from 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 Jerry Reese. And you know, that's that's to to Coughlin's credit, you know, they won two Super Bowls, and that pretty much saved Reese's career for you know the better part of the last ten years. Yeah, it did. But, you know, it's it, when you look at the numbers, and, you know, I'm pretty sure they showed all the graphics to when he got um, fired and just what he's done over the last five years. The numbers have been pretty bad. You talk about the one postseason appearance last year. Um, Jerry Reese has not never addressed the offensive line, and, and I've always wondered about that. Why did he never want to address the offensive line? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I just think that, you know, when you when you look at what the Giants have done, they try to stay away from, from, I guess for lack of a better term, low character players. So you know when Larry Mitonso was available, they kind of passed on him. When uh, you know Eugene Monroe was available to 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 get uh, as a free agent, they kind of passed on him. Um, Lyle Collins, you know, they passed on him. You know, and these are these are you know these are guys that are going to be Pro Bowl players. You know. Guys that that could have contributed right away, and it, like even this past off season, the Giants passing on on Andrew Whitworth, who goes to the Rams and immediately transforms their offensive line and makes it way better. I mean, we could have definitely used that. So I don't know what Jerry Reese's reasons are for avoiding addressing the the offensive line issues. I mean, Justin Pugh is coming up on free agency, and he was a good draft pick, but he can't stay healthy. Weston Richburg started out, you know, they were talking about him being. The, potentially the next great center in the league, and you know he's been usurped by Brett Jones. So you look at the the offensive line decisions, and it's it's like no one knows what to do about it. And you know it's like, oh yeah, we're fine. We'll just use this patchwork and move guys from right guard to center, and and center to left tackle, and this that and the other thing. Like Eric Flowers, you know I'm a big Eric Flowers fan. As you know, as far as me, a Miami Hurricane fan. But Eric Flowers is not a left tackle, and the fact that he's been left to play left tackle for so long is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I look at that, and I say, like, the whole Flowers situation, it it looked to me like laziness in regards to just, we're going to just leave him there. We're not even going to try to make an adjustment. We'll just leave him there. He'll figure it out. That's what it sounds like every week they said. 
but yet they still kept coming down on Eli. How do you, you know, put all that blame on Eli when he has 14 touchdowns, seven picks, and no consistent running game, no wide receivers, and no offensive line? I don't understand how do you keep bullying your franchise quarterback. I mean, that's 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 what you do. You you, you put it on the face of the franchise. You put it on the guy who has the ball majority of the time, you know, the guy who's taking all the snaps. And to Eli's credit, you know, he's been he's been super uh professional about it and he hasn't complained and and I I hope that going forward he doesn't uh hold it against the Giants and he and he remains a giant through his contract. Uh if he does retire after next season then, you know, that's 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 his choice. But uh I, I think I speak for everybody when I say I don't I, I hope he doesn't end up uh playing for another franchise. I don't want to see Eli Manning in another jersey. I definitely agree. And uh, last question, Stan, head coaches now, because obviously we have to start thinking about that. I know Steve Spagdolo is going to be the interim coach. Who do you see as being the next head coach of the New York Giants? Well, I think they're going to go outside of the organization. It's uh, for the first time in in, in a while. Uh, You know, usually the Giants tend to stick to people that have ties to the organization. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of names out there. David Shaw is one, the head coach of Stanford. It would take a a, a a big offer to get him away from Stanford. He's turned down a lot of jobs in the past. Um, one thing in particular that uh, I know he's going to be looking forward to is stability. And the Giants' job is a special job, as we know. You know, the ownership sticks tends to stick with their players uh, and coaches for uh, for a long time. Um, the the biggest question is, I think, who the general manager is going to be. And I think if we can bring in a general manager who's who's going to come in at the same time as Shaw and work together, sort of like what we see in San Francisco with John Lynch and uh, and 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 um, I, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, 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 damn. Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. If okay. we could see something like that, where uh, where we could see uh, some sort of equal partnership with both the head coach and the GM get, say, a six-year deal. I think I think you're looking at something like where you could get a David Shaw. Uh, as the head coach, maybe bring in Ron Wolf's son, who's the he, he's currently the assistant GM in in, in Green Bay. Uh, I think Mike Vrabel is a name you could throw out there. Uh, he's he's done a pretty good job as, as a, wow as a as a assistant coach in Houston. Um, very versatile defensively. I think Matt Patricia is a name we could hear about. Uh, he's uh, the, the the defensive coordinator in New England. Um, there are some other I, – I don't think the Giants are going to go with uh, a retread. I think Mike Smith is a name people threw out there, but I don't. I think they're looking for someone young that they can build around for a long time, someone they can really give the keys to the franchise to. And same thing with the GM. Like I mentioned, the guy uh, – I think Scott Wolf is his name. He's the, he's the son of Ron Wolf in Green Bay. He's only 35 years old, and he's been in the front office for 14 years. He's got a lot of experience, and I think, you know, you bring in two guys like that, they can work together and, you know, be uh, a stable presence in the front office and, and in the in the coaching with the coaching staff for, like, you know, the next 10 years. I think it'd be great, especially with the Giants probably locking in for a top two or three pick. You know, you're looking at, you know, taking a, a franchise quarterback in the draft and then potentially, you know, changing things relatively quickly. Yeah, I was actually thinking uh, guys like McDaniels who's out there. He's sort of, I guess, Giants-affiliated, if you want to talk about, like, the Belichick tree. Yeah, um, uh, uh, McDaniels is – rumor has it he wants to stick in, in New England until Belichick retires. Uh, who knows when that's going to be? And, you know, realistically, I think that's that's a bad move because Belichick's not leaving until Tom Brady leaves. And who's one of the – like, why would you want to coach the Patriots after Tom Brady leaves, you know? It's very, very true. There's no Garoppolo. There's no real plan But after that. So uh, they're right. kind of all in with whatever team they have now. But uh, as always, Stan Tavolis, thank you very much, man, for your insight. And, uh, you know. No, I mean, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, like I said, once you're our top football correspondent. I'll come to you every single time there's huge news like this. So as always, Absolutely. man, let's hope these Giants figure it out. Yeah, man, like, you know, when it, comes, when it gets close to the draft time, you know, I, I'm here for you. Definitely, and we appreciate it, all right? Have a good one, man. No problem. You too. I want to take the time to thank everybody for tuning in, as always, to uh, Sports Social this week. 
um, every week I try to just add new wrinkles to it and, you know, just having the ability to speak to a guy like Trevor Booker, who is a current NBA player who just, um, you know, is doing his best to help out the community. Um, I, I just like to get those opportunities to do that. So I once again, appreciate him, appreciate the Brooklyn Nets for um, for just embracing, uh, you know, the community and doing their best to give back. So just want to put that out there. Uh, also, the uh, you know the whole New York Giants situation. Uh, thank you to Stan Talouis, been my partner for a long time. Uh, it's good to be able to bring him back and you know hear his thoughts on it. I know he's has he has a great career in comedy right now, but uh, his roots has always been with Keep It a Real Sports, and the guy always delivers whenever he has a chance to. So uh, appreciate him as well as I appreciate you guys for tuning in every week. And uh, just hearing me just talk about sports and having fun and just enjoying the um, just just what this whole thing is about. So I I always want to show that appreciation and uh, just to let you know, you know, I I try every week to come up with different ideas that people can uh, get an understanding of what's going on and uh, just try to be creative with it. So um, just want to say once again, thank you and uh, keep tuning in. We got a couple more shows left in the season. And, uh, yeah, subscribe. Tell your friends. Subscribe on. You've been listening to Sports Social with Eddie Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Catch you next week.